Tonight I want to share with you and I want to have a little conversation about courageous relationships. We are all in relationships and relationships are so important. We'll just move a little bit back a bit. Sorry. Thanks. Just, yeah, that's good. Fantastic. Give them a hand. Did a great job. Thanks, guys. <laughs> God is our creator and he is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is perfect. He is holy and he is all about relationship. In fact, he is a relationship. God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit together, full of love because God is love, a relationship. And he wants to have relationship with us and he wants us to have great relationship. But there is one who doesn't like our relationships because God loves them and that's the enemy, the devil. Jesus spoke about the devil is real. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the devil has come to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to kill your friendships. He wants to steal your marriage and he wants to destroy your ministry. How does he want to do that? How is he going to destroy our relationships? Well, he has some traps. He has traps laid for us to trap us in our relationships, to cause offence and hurt. And we take the bait and get offended and it causes distance, it causes separation. We have examples in our life because the truth is all of us get offended. Sometimes we say, oh, I'm not offended, I don't care, it doesn't really matter. No, the truth is we are offended because we've got this trap hanging off of us. When somebody says something and we go, oh, I don't like what they said about me or about that person, they said something that hurt because words hurt. When somebody does something to step on our toes or their personality just rubs us up the wrong way. When that person doesn't live by our values and our convictions, when the person gets something that we feel we deserved more than them, when the person doesn't do something that we expect that they should do, it offends us. When a person, oh, this is the hard one, the hardest. When a person says or does something to hurt someone we love, oh, you better watch out. We say, I'm not offended, but yet we've got this trap hanging off of us. What are some signs that we actually are offended? Well, our emotions are affected. When we hear their name or when we see them, there's something inside of us that just gets really... We kind of avoid them when we see them. Or when their, their feed comes up in our Instagram feed, we see their name and see their picture, we can't help but just judge what they're doing, what they're eating, who they're with. We're reactive. To them, We're irritated easily by them. We're defensive no matter what they say. There's heat in our words when we respond to them. Nothing that person does is good enough or right. We distance ourselves. Sometimes we distance ourselves to protect ourselves from hurt again. But sometimes we do the silent treatment just to punish them a little bit. We get angry. We get anger fantasies where we just imagine what I could say and if I said this and if I did that, that would really show them. Perhaps we speak to a few other people about that person and what they did to us just to, to get that um, affirmation that we were victims. 
We're not happy when we see them succeed or get promoted or get a gift or a girlfriend. I want us to illustrate tonight the progression that happens once we are offended and the offence grows to bitterness. So I'm going to ask for some help tonight. I'm going to ask Sarah and Jonah to come on down. Give them a hand. They're going to help me tonight. They're going to stand on each side of this white frame. Thank you. Thank you very much. So first of all, it starts, we're going to look at the progression. It first of all starts when we get annoyed. Sarah is annoyed at Jonah. Now, he is, she is annoyed because it's their first Easter together, newly married. And she is a gifts person. She gets his favourite chocolate. She knows exactly the chocolate that he loves. So she's packed it and she's made it all beautiful and wrapped it. And she gives it to him thinking he's going to love it and he's going to reciprocate. But he never gives her anything back. And he doesn't even say sorry. They go away for the weekend together. The drive is silent because she is hurt. And uh, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I know that story, don't I, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> now, now we've got some hurt on the inside. All is forgiven. It was 20 years ago. No. <laughs> then we've got hurt. Perhaps Sarah said some words very, uh, yeah, we're we're good. Yeah, very disrespectful towards Jonah. What she said it, it made him feel rejected and hurt, and he is wounded. And he doesn't even want to see her. He doesn't even want to be close to her because he is so hurt by her. We see the progression come down. Sarah is so angry. Oh, every time she sees him, she is angry and she wants to give him a piece. She imagines in her mind what she's going to say to him when he gets home because he hasn't put out the bins again. It's always her putting out the bins. He's got one job to do and he won't even put out the bins. Like, I do everything else. I just ask for the bins. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. He puts out the bins. He's very good at putting out the bins. And in fact, we had children. So the children put out the bins. <laughs> this is like therapy for Mitch and I right now. <laughs> and then it all culminates in bitterness. Bitterness. Jonah is bitter. He's so bitter. He's wounded. He's bitter. And when he's bitter... This resentment is inside of him. He has been treated unfairly. He always gets blamed. And any time he cooks dinner, she never says thank you. She, he's just bitter at her. Bitter. Now, what we can see is this progression from being annoyed and hurt and angry and bitter. You can come on this side. And now it's caused distance, a division between the two of them and their relationship. And this happens in our friendships this happens in our marriages, this happens in our workplaces and in our church. And it's got to stop. It's got to be healed and we've got to be whole, hey? Thanks, guys. Give them a hand. <laughs> offence creates offence between us. It causes distance and it causes division. And when we have division, it prevents us from loving each other. 
the very thing that Jesus commanded us to do. I wonder why he commanded us to love one another. Maybe because we don't want to do it naturally. (laughs) He says, John chapter 15, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. 1 John 4, and he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. We're not to just believe in Jesus, but we are to become like Jesus. And he loves people despite their annoying habits and the things that they do to let us down. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to love people more, genuinely love. So how do we dismantle this offence? How do we dismantle this fence here? We need to start with when we get annoyed. When I'm annoyed, I need to ask the question. I need to have a courageous question to myself. Why? Why am I so annoyed? Why am I so annoyed? What was it? Why did it annoy me so much? Perhaps I feel annoyed that they did so-and-so. Because it was unfair. Because it was not true. Because it was rude. Why did it annoy me? Why did I react to that person so much? I wouldn't have reacted that much if it was this other person who did it to me. Why am I so reactive to that person? I'd have grace if it was this person. What was their intention? What was their intention? Did they try to annoy me? Did they set this up just to annoy me? I know in our marriage, I know that we make the assumption that my husband loves me, that I love him, and that we don't intend to hurt each other. We love each other. So we never intend to hurt each other. It's done by accident. What was my part? Well, that's a courageous question. What was my part? Have I ever annoyed? Were my expectations unreasonable? Were my expectations clear? Luke chapter 6. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. Steve Cuss says, we are not so perfect ourselves, but we live by the double standard of giving ourselves grace for our own imperfections and believe everyone should be like me or better. Self-righteousness creates distance between us and the other person. And it also makes assumptions about the other person that might not actually be true. Luke 6 says, Do not judge, 
and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be used to measure you. Don't judge. Don't judge. We need to ask ourselves a courageous question. Am I taking the place of judge? It's God's place. We can't judge people and love them at the same time. But love chooses fearless forgiveness. Love chooses to pour out buckets of grace, not thimbles or shot glasses. Love pours out buckets of grace, just like Jesus did for us. We need to let it go so there is no more distance between us. We need fearless forgiveness. What pulls down the offence? Fearless forgiveness pulls down the offence when we're annoyed. We must choose fearless forgiveness to overcome the offences that distance us. Amen? Number two, the hurt. How do we get rid of this hurt? It takes courage to address the hurts in my life. When you're wounded, you don't feel like getting out that Dettol and cleaning out that wound. It hurts. You want to avoid it. But you're, you need to get the dirt out. You need to clean it. You need to deal with it if it's going to heal properly. And we must deal with our hurts immediately. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because... He cares for you. He cares about the hurts. He cares that you've been wounded. But we must humble ourselves and hand them over to him. It takes courage to turn your hurt over to the great physician. But he is the healer and he will heal your wounds. He knows how it feels. He understands what it is to be let down, to be rejected, to be betrayed, to be beaten. Let's hand it over at the cross where we can make a divine exchange and be healed by his blood. We can ask Jesus, what is the lie that I've believed? What's the lie that I believed about myself or about this person that's offended me? What's the lie? Ask God to reveal it because what he reveals, he heals. and this is a challenging one, but I really felt to say it, lean into the mess. Lean into the mess. Our natural response is to pull away from the person who hurt us. But may I suggest to do the exact opposite? We want to stay removed. We'd rather gossip about the person and tell others how horrible they've been and what a victim we are. But love leans in to them. Proximity helps us see somebody's humanity and understand them more. You know, my youngest son, he's been a challenging one from birth. He was very bad reflux, like gastroenterologist level. He was, he was just in pain and screaming from word go. And 
as before he even hit two, he hit the terrible twos before two. I'm like, this is, this is a lie. He's not even two when he's screaming like anything. Anyway, sometimes in his room, I would put him in his room and he would just scream. And I thought, this kid needs deliverance. Oh, okay, this kid needs Jesus. But to be honest, because of the way that he reacted, emotionally, I just wanted to keep him at a distance. I wanted to push him away. I didn't feel like giving him big love and hugs and kisses because he was hard. But I felt like the Holy Spirit challenged me to lean into the mess, to embrace him and to lavish him with love, to tell him how much I loved him. And something changed. Something changed in me and something changed in him. And he, became, he is changed and he is passionate because he's a passionate person but he's very passionate about his mummy. He's in love with his mama. We have a very tight relationship. I lent into the mess. And you know, I think it's very similar when you have teenagers. And I think it's very similar for adults too. Lean into the mess. If someone's comment or behavior has caused a reactivity in you, be courageous and move closer. Now, I'm not talking about putting yourself in a dangerous situation with a narcissist or a toxic person. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just those normal things that annoy us in relationships, yeah? Leaning in may mean having a courageous conversation like Pastor Carol was sharing with us the other week. Just such an awesome word. You need to listen to that too. That was fantastic. Have you ever let them know what they did hurt you? They may have no idea. We all have blind spots, all of us. So perhaps be courageous and tell them, say what you said or what you did when you did this, it hurt me. But make sure that you say it with humility, love and respect. We must all choose fearless forgiveness to overcome the offenses that divide us. Number three, anger. Ephesians 4 says, and don't let sin and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Wow. Anger is a trap of the enemy. It's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to hold on to it. We must let go of it as soon as possible. Let go of that anger. Anger is a trap. The Amplified Version says it this way. It says, be angry, but be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame or allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resent or cultivating bitterness. Don't hold on to the anger. Don't hold on to the grudge and take it around everywhere with you. Hi, my name's Belinda. How are you? I'm holding on to this anger. It doesn't, it doesn't make for good relationships, does it? We can't really be close and have good relationships because I'm just holding on to this anger everywhere I go. Let go of the anger. Don't be trapped in the sin of anger because it controls you, controls your emotions, controls your anxiety. Don't let it last. Don't let it last. Don't let it cause you shame when you allow the sin of pride, self-righteousness, gossip, a grudge, bitterness. And don't let anger stop you from loving the person. 
because that's what Jesus has commanded us to do, to love. Remove the division. How do we remove it? We give the anger to God. We let it go. Take it to him. Take it to the cross. Repent. Repent of any sin that it's produced in you. And choose fearless forgiveness. I don't know, I'm scared they might just go and do it all over again. What if they just do it again? Well, that's exactly the question one of the disciples, Peter, came to Jesus with. He said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody who offends me? Seven? You know, he's thinking that's really good because that's like the number of God. must be good. Seven times. Jesus looks at him and he says, 70 times seven. Over and over and over and over again. Now, we're not talking about setting yourself up to be a doormat for abuse. No, we're talking about in these relationships, these things that offend us. Perhaps we need a courageous conversation. We need to tell the person exactly what made us angry. But the key here, do it without heat in your tone of voice. Do it with respect and humility. We all must choose fearless forgiveness to overcome the offences that divide us. And number four, ask the team to come and join me. Bitterness. How do I get rid of bitterness? It's been sitting inside me for so long. How do I get rid of bitterness? Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness is resentment. That's like a toxic poison within us. We must get it out. It destroys us. It takes our peace. It hardens our hearts. We must get rid of it because it will affect us and every relationship. Ephesians 4 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What gets rid of bitterness? Fearless forgiveness. Fearless forgiveness. You might need to get forgiveness for yourself. You need to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. I've been bitter. I I have had a grudge. I have judged this person. I've slandered this person. Forgive me, Lord. That'll help get rid of the bitterness. Repent. You know, fearless forgiveness, it makes a decision and it says, no one can ever hurt me so much that I can't forgive them. No one can hurt me so much that I can't forgive them. Fearless forgiveness hands the person and the issue over to God to be the judge. Trust him. Fearless forgiveness turns the other cheek. And I'm not talking about one below the belly button. Turns the other cheek. Fearless forgiveness is generous with grace. Bucket loads. Fearless forgiveness blesses them in Jesus' name. And fearless forgiveness responds with prayer. Matthew 5, I love this paraphrased version. It says, you're familiar with the old written law. Love your enemy and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. This is Jesus. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the supple moves of prayer. For then you are working out 
for your, of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all of you do, if all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives toward you. Wow. Now that's one way to kick the devil in the head. Followers of Jesus, we need to belong to him, we need to believe in him, and we need to become like him. Yeah? The truth is that every single person in this room is a sinner, including yours truly. All of us have sinned. All of us have annoyed someone. All of us have hurt someone. All of us have, have made somebody angry and bitter because of the things we've done or the things we've not done, the things we've said or the things we've not said. We have sinned. All of us and our relationships, our friendships have been affected. Your friendships, your relationships, the only thing that's caused them harm is because we all sin. We all sin. I don't know if you've had a friendship where a friend has become an enemy. But the Bible says that we were supposed to be friends with God. And because of our sin, going our own way, we became God's enemy. The things that we said and the things that we did, our sin, it caused a division, an offence between us and God. And sin, there is a consequence. The Bible says that sin needs a punishment. I didn't love God. I ignored him. I dishonoured him and I disrespected him. I went to other people and other things and I rejected him. But God, he did all the work of restoration in our relationship. He didn't go halfway. For me, he went all the way. He didn't wait till I cleaned myself up and became a good girl. He didn't wait till I was sorry. He didn't wait till I realised and I came to my senses. He came and he forgave me and he demonstrated his love for me and for you. He waded into the mess. The perfect into the imperfect, the holy into the unholy. He died in my place, took my punishment and yours. And he paid the price with his blood so we could be restored and we could be redeemed and ransomed. We were made right in his sight because of what he did on the cross for us. And now my friendship with God is restored and yours can be too. Verse 11 says of this chapter we were just reading, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I'm going to ask tonight that you stand with me. I'm going to ask the question, are you friends with God or is there still an offence between you? Have you made things right? Because all you need to do is turn to Him, turn away from your sin and living for yourself and turn to Him. Are you friends with God? I want to ask the question, how are you going in these areas? Are you harbouring hurts? Are you angry? Have you got bitterness? Because I'd love to just be able to pray over these areas right now with you. So if you just bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, 
I want to pray for people who feel far and distanced from you. They've been going their own way, living for themselves and not walking in friendship with you. Lord, I pray that you'd put a deep conviction in them and that there would be a strong decision to say, I want to walk with Jesus, that I want to follow you, Jesus. And then he will change you. He will transform you. He's not going to wait till you've changed yourself. You don't have to do the work. He does the work. He does the work. He says, come, come and follow me. Come and follow me and I will make you new. I will give you a brand new start. I will wipe away the sins of the past and I will give you a new beginning. want to pray if you've been harboring anger or hurt or bitterness within you I want to pray for you right now with every head bowed and eyes closed do you want to just raise your hand if you need prayer in this area yeah thanks for your honesty and your courage yeah we're going to pray and ask that the Lord we're going to take it to the cross just like I was talking about before heavenly father you see these honest hearts these courageous hearts And Lord, we repent. We repent of anything that we've had to do, whether we've judged or taken your place as judge. Lord, whether we've gossiped to deal with it. Lord, we turn and we say, Lord, wipe away our part of this. And Lord, we ask, we bring our hurt to the cross. We ask you to heal our pains. Heal the hurts. Lord, take the poison out of us. We don't want to live with that poison in us any longer. And tonight we choose by the power of the name of Jesus, And by faith in you, Lord, we choose to forgive. And we trust you, Lord God, that you will take care of it, that you will judge, that you will turn things around. But we hand it into your hands, Lord God, and we let go of it from this night forward. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Powerful. Powerful. Well, we're going to have a time now. We're going to worship the Lord. And then we're going to watch people give testimony of how much Jesus has changed their lives in the water baptism pool.